0: Wherever you get your podcasts. Chakten an indo askeilige. Time iman iruk ti yen of chakt er a harp. Aga soligam amar kan sha gar fejer e har enuik len of winter fein. Skil turmi. Tha Honest, sure do chreacha nach vethach ara Iorgunamian an cheist sin eacol. We in talam ag in am guriv ahrachar in rachdom. Iad tuig sé tar an guriv an ahrachar sin ilis dohalag is cimine ar ducus an eacr. Naoi vin aon vin marav. Shachtan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms.
1: This is an Irish independent podcast. The GoFundMe campaign is about money, but it's also about love and support. So when anyone we know has a medical situation, the most common reaction most people have is, how can I help? And by helping, whether it be a large amount or a little amount, and leaving those words of support, it means so much. So in 19 countries, Ireland is not only a standout in terms of the the rate of donating per population. I should also mention that four years in a row, Ireland has been the most generous country, the most donations per person in the 19 countries.
0: Hello, and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, in association with Square. Square can help with your business needs from menu management and online ordering to payments. Visit square.com for more. Now, if you're raising money for something personal, there's one place you're most likely to turn. GoFundMe. The website has just passed 5 million individual donations in Ireland, exceeding €250 million and has become part of our daily lives, used for everything from GAA fundraisers to vital medical intervention. But does it also paper over some of the shortfalls in the way we look after our own citizens? GoFundMe CEO Tim Cadigan joined me this week to talk about it. And this is how the conversation went. Tim Cadigan, welcome to the podcast. Tim, uh, you have some big numbers here in Ireland. Five million donations, I believe.
1: Yes, that's right. It's it's great to be here. So yes, we're we're recognising this major milestone, which is in the time that we've been operating in Ireland, uh, which is about six years, we just hit five million donations, which obviously is similar to the population of the country. Um, And that also um, has meant Quarter of a billion euros have been raised uh, on the GoFundMe platform, which is a pretty incredible number.
0: And what can you tell me about the type of donations or activity that make up, you know, uh, the bulk of those? Or the patterns that you see.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a really broad range. Um, we see fundraisers from from things like you know medical necessities through to people raising for all kinds of charities, local and international, all the way through to, you know, your niece and nephew going on a gap year and needing a bit of additional money. Um, one of the things that's really interesting here with Ireland is the category of community um, is actually the number one category. And that's the only country that has that. So we're in 19 countries, Ireland is not only a standout in terms of the, the the rate of donating per population. I should also mention that four years in a row... Ireland has been the most generous country um, in the 19 countries. Defined Europe. as the most uh, amount
0: of money per person.
1: The most donations per donations person. Per person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So the most donations, most money or most? The most donations per capita, volume yeah. of donations. Volume of donations. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And tell me about this community metric. What does that mean?
1: So when someone creates a campaign, you get to categorize it, it's self identified um and uh more people here categorize their fundraisers community oriented which is a real tell i think into why we see such a high percentage of donating given the population here
0: so th- we're talking about the kid down the road who's trying to raise enough to go to the olympics or something is it it might be
1: that it might be the local gaa community mm-hmm. saying hey we're trying to kind of um Add on to the uh, to the to the community hall. It might be organising for someone in the community that needs help for w- w- whatever. So it what is. we used
0: to call you know raffles or yeah. know, those kind of yeah. fundraisers yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 that's right
0: and um because GoFundMe it seems to have very quickly become part of our lives um, and particularly here in Ireland because we do have quite a deep history of raising uh, money mm-hmm. um. Four for things, want well, to ask you about how how you make sure that everything is in the straight and narrow. You know, yeah. in terms of yep. f- how, for example, do you stop people raising money? How, how do you stop scams, or how do you stop uh, people raising money under fraudulent? Pretences?
1: Absolutely. So, um, first things so, uh, for our platform. Given what people are doing, they're asking for help. The things that are important to them and they're giving. Trust is absolutely fundamental to that, which I think is really what you're getting at with your question. The second thing is the vast majority of what we see is wholly well-intentioned, authentic, good things that people are raising money for. But this is also human nature, and so we have to watch out for people who who might be wanting to take advantage. There's a few things to note. The first one is the way a GoFundMe campaign works is you set it up and then you share it. And you share it with the people that you know because those are the first people who are going to help you. So actually very often the idea that you would take advantage of the people you know is it just doesn't work. You don't get any donations and then people will will tell us. They'll make a report and we'll investigate that report, which leads us to the, the second set of things we do, which is you have a significant part of our team works on what we call trust and safety. Actually, quite a big part of the team here, this is our EU headquarters here in Dublin, Part of A big part of that team here is part of our global trust and safety team. And they're using data and technology we've developed over the last decade to look for anomalies, strange behaviors, things that don't fit the regular pattern. And because we've been doing this since the beginning, we, we invented this category and we've had over $25 billion raised. We have a lot of data and we see a lot of patterns. So that helps us spot things that might be a bit unusual and investigate Sometimes that's just a conversation with the fundraiser that you need to describe things a little bit more clearly. And then very occasionally it isn't right and we'll deal with that. The next thing that happens is once money is raised, that money flows through third party payment partners, financial institutions like PayPal or Stripe or Adyen. And these are global financial institutions and they also do their own verification of where that money is going and is it the correct beneficiary.
0: Mm. Okay, so there there are layers, there and are filters. layers of,
1: of, of, of protection,
0: and that trust and safety team that you just referenced. Mm. I mean, how busy would they be? How how often do they spot these?
1: They're constantly looking. I mean, they're scanning and they're verifying and they're making sure that that campaigns are, mm. are legitimate and they're you know continuing their analysis.
0: Yeah, I mean, we the the egregious ones usually often make the headlines. There was the one in January, uh, which. I'm sure many of our listeners have heard about was a New Jersey woman who was jailed for uh, three years. This was the story of the the couple who raised, I think, around $400,000 for a homeless man who they said had given his last $20 to this woman, um, Caitlin Mm -hmm. McClure, um, and she raised uh, several hundred thousand um, dollars. And she went to jail for that. That became a, a big case. But how far into a case like that is it when the trust and safety team or when, when you can actually detect that something's going wrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, it will depend case by case. And just to be clear, like that, that's very rare. But when that happens, that, that is a crime being committed. Yeah. And we will work with the, the legal authorities in whichever country we're in to you know, ensure that that crime is prosecuted. Um, just to be clear, and that's mm. someone taking advantage of everybody, including um, mm. us. Uh, and we will also we have a um, the GoFundMe giving guarantee, which is the only um, guarantee like this in the in the industry where we'll make sure that everyone gets their money back. Yeah. Um, so it depends in the process how far. Uh, that that gets in, and
0: is that a rare thing? For... It's exceptionally rare. Okay, it's rare yes. enough that you have to refund on because of a scam, or
1: yeah, it's very rare. Oh, it's okay. pretty pretty rare that we invoke that, but we we wanted to provide that comfort, so that in the rare case that all those checks I outlined didn't work, that we would we would make people whole and take care of them, so that they they would have no reason to you mm. know, doubt the safety of their money and their support.
0: The other thing that uh, I'm conscious of since we spoke last, because we spoke, I think you were about a month into the job, uh, three three, years ago. And Mm. uh, there were a few rules that were, it was a crazy time. And the environment and the climate, the political and cultural and news climate was kind of mad at the time as well. And GoFundMe tended to have, not have a political, not to allow political campaigns. Now that has changed, I believe, uh, in uh, recently, if you go onto Ireland's GoFundMe page, at least one or two, I think, of the. The featured campaigns in in the the first carousel are political campaigns for local candidates. Um, is that a tricky one, or is it? It hasn't
1: it hasn't so much changed in terms of our terms of service, but it's just a relatively rare thing that people do on GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, the, the, in the the political sphere, uses um, fundraising systems that are specific mm-hmm. to the political environment, so we just don't see it very much. Is that kind of
0: surprising though? Because especially in a country like Ireland where GoFundMe now is is kind of part of the the furniture. If you're a, 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 an independent candidate or you are part of a minority party and you just find it difficult to get access to funding, it strikes me as the logical thing to do. You know,
1: I think it's really interesting that you're pointing out that trend. I actually wasn't aware of that, yeah. um, but it makes sense, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, we are a platform open for everybody. We'd have some very simple rules, but beyond that, you know, you able mm. to use the platform. So I think you may be right. We may be seeing the beginning of of a, of a trend. I mean, it's a it's a familiar tool. Generally, you know, people know mm. it, and they trust it. And as you say, if they've got something that they're looking for help with, and they think they can mobilize support, great. Mm. I,
0: I think the rules are a little still a little tighter for things like on some campaigning issues. I remember when we spoke last, there were rules about trying to raise money for. Anti-vax causes, for example, and I believe there is still in place uh, a rule about uh, you know misleading or or, or inaccurate information um, that sometimes leads platforms like GoFundMe to intervene uh, with um, uh, kind of fringe campaigners, news sites. Uh, I think last month the Gray Zone, which is a kind of a controversial fringe uh, news site, I think they had some of their uh, funds frozen. How do you make a call on those type of marginal cases?
1: Yeah, I think um, I don't know a lot of the particulars in that case. Mm. I believe they actually halted the donations. Um, but uh, you know, generally, we try and open the platform for everybody um, and make sure that everyone can use it. And then we, if there is a case that comes to our attention, that team, that expert team, will take a look at it and will apply our terms of service as objectively as possible mm. and navigate the situation. Mm. Um, fortunately, in the vast majority of cases, it's, uh, it's pretty clear. Then everyone can proceed.
0: Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned health uh, is a very popular yeah. uh, category for people to raise money. Yes. And, I mean, I personally have donated to two or three uh, in the in the last year i'm sure most listeners to this podcast are, are at least aware of one or two uh, current uh, campaigns um on uh, at the same time and this is a question we discussed a few years ago it always does strike me when I'm donating to a campaign for somebody to improve their healthcare outcome, it can be an extraordinary event that we're trying to, to help. But in some cases, it's, you know, cancer treatment care, it's care, you know, uh, to, to help fund carers. And it does sometimes strike me that it's things and stuff that the country involved should probably be doing themselves. And I, I always do wonder... Is this a kind of a a stopgap for Mm. us properly governing
1: ourselves? Mm. Um, Well, uh, you know, what's interesting is that we operate across a range of different markets. And those markets do have different levels of um, centrally or government provided healthcare. But we see fairly consistent patterns of fundraising for costs related to medical issues. And I think the reason for that is when you come down to particularly more serious medical issues, there are so many costs associated with that. So it's obviously the treatment itself, but you touched on it. It's all the ancillary costs and it's things like, you know, taking the time off work to recover. I'm actually... My wife and I are running a campaign for someone who's dealing with exactly that right Mm. now, which is the medical cost, but then there's, you know, it's small business, have to take six weeks off, have to hire someone to do the job because it's a small business and it just has to have that person. So those are the kinds of situations where even the most generous social um, program might not cover some of those ancillary costs. So those are some of the things that we see. I think the other thing that's interesting is a GoFundMe campaign is about money, but it's also about love and support. And so when anyone we know has a medical situation, the most common reaction most people have is, how can I help? Yeah. What can I do? And a GoFundMe campaign gives you something you can do. And by helping, whether it be a large amount or a little amount, and leaving those words of support, it means so much. Mm. And every campaigner I talk to, whether it be the person running the campaign or the, or the beneficiary, if that's someone else, they will always talk about the support and the psychological and emotional importance of that support alongside the dollars or the euros or the pounds. Mm. And I think that piece of it is part of being human, right? It's a part of mobilizing people around to to help
0: for sure. And, and I think people have looked for a way to, to, to get involved with, um, with loved ones and family and friends that they, they, they would like to help, you know, for for years and years. And this is quite a convenient way to do it. Um, now GoFundMe, its fees are, I think 2.9% plus in Ireland, I think it's 25 cents per transaction. Um, it's, it's, it's it's a for-profit company, though. Yes. Um, I think the last accounts I saw, it was something in the region of around €12 million euro on revenue of something approaching €50 million. Euro. Now, that was the Irish accounts, which I think account for all non-US income, uh, I, I we, believe. We are,
1: yeah. This is our European yeah. headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that's pretty healthy. I mean, that's a 25% margin, or there or thereabouts. Um, and... So w- how would you respond to someone saying, well, this company is kind of profiting from, in some cases, people's misery?
1: Mm, yes. So it's a question that comes up. I, I think that um, what we're trying to do is create a place where people can help each other and to make that as accessible and safe and trust it as possible. We're also trying to make it as economically efficient as we possibly can. So we very intentionally designed the business model to try and move as much money as possible to the person who's asking for help. So the way the business works is just to say you raise 100 euros, as you pointed out. We'll take out the 2.9% plus the, the 25 cents for each donation. And that's because we're using third party financial payment processes which is true for all businesses in the world. They charge. Right. And they those are the very standard rates. So when you go and shop at Safeway or Spa, they're not getting the $100, right? So it's universal. So that's sort of how the economy works. Um, it's tough to see how you could get it much lower. So that means 97 of those 100 euros essentially is reaching the person. And then what we ask our donors to do is like, hey, would you like to tip us? Would you like to make a voluntary donation, voluntary contribution, I used to say, to GoFundMe to help us run the company? That's up to you. It's your choice to make it really easy to say yes, to say no, to change the amount. That's what we run the company on. Hmm. Um, and I, I know it's a little unusual, and I, I think it's great to provide the consumers uh, and the donors the choice uh, to, to fund us. And that allows us, to invest in the systems, to run a website and an app in nine languages in 19 countries and and all the infrastructure and the trust and safety and the customer service and the product and the engineering and, and so on, right? And that allow, allows us to build an ever better service, which is our goal. Mm. Do you see any
0: correlation with trends for donations or with, with GoFundMe in how the general economy goes? Uh It was a question I kind of asked you the last time, and it was a weird time because we were in the pandemic. Uh, But is it that when times are good, donations go up? Or is it that when times are bad, there's more of a sense of community and donations go up?
1: Um, Here's a, I mean, it's a little bit of both in a funny way. So I'll give you a couple of data points. So for example, in terms of asking for help, We have seen cost of living um, flow into the requests for help. So we've seen significant increases in campaigns that talk about cost of living.
0: And that Um, would be just regular day to day heating
1: expenses, you know, just trying to cover basic costs. We see people, more people, you know, having campaigns or campaigns on behalf of someone else. Isn't that just sad? I mean,
0: as a human being, Looking at somebody else trying to deal with that.
1: It's tough. Yeah. But here's the thing, like the point is we give people a way to take action on that, right? The fact is that that is a tough situation Um, and many situations in our lives as humans are tough. And what we need at moments like that is other people to help us. That's a big part of what makes us human. We're a social animal. We help each other when we need each other. So that's what we do. Um, that's our job is to be there when that happens and for the happy things too. Um, so that's one pattern. We, we have seen some effects of inflation. Um, I'll say, you know, for example, last year in the U S um, we, we had higher inflation, which has now come down, but we could see that affecting and particularly, um, the lower dollar donations, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because people with lower disposable incomes, you know donating is ultimately a discretionary expense. You could see that. So Mm. some of these macroeconomic trends we could see um, affecting uh, and and rippling through the behaviours that we saw.
0: Mm. Finally, um, what's going to happen in the next year or two? What do you think is going to happen with GoFundMe? uh, Are you seeing uh, patterns of rising donations still?
1: We're seeing very strong trends, yeah. Uh, You know, um, when we started... With our expansion into europe in 2017 it was a relatively new thing and um, we saw a good rate of adoption COVID accelerated that as it did with many digital businesses and then we've seen it go f- from strength to strength uh, and actually built from there um, and so sev- several of our markets we're going to see record years this year mm. which is might be counterintuitive um, but actually seeing really strong growth And our focus as a company is how do we help our customers be more successful in both asking for and giving help so that we can bring more people together? And so from a product point of view, continuing to work on earning trust every day um, and helping more people help each other.
0: Tim Cadigan, CEO of GoFundMe. Thank you very much for joining the Big Tech Show podcast this week. And that's all from me, Adrian Weckler. You've been listening to the Big Tech Show in association with Square. Thanks to JJ Clark, who produced to Gav Hennessy on sound as well. And we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.